Welcome to the sermon podcast of First Church of Christ, where our goal is to lead generations into a life-changing, ever-growing relationship with Jesus Christ. We pray that you are encouraged and challenged by today's message. Good to see you all. If you're joining us online, we're glad that you're here. Joining us as well. She's gone, and I'm going to be alone. Those were the, the thoughts that were swirling around in my head as I came home for lunchtime and found that my wife and my two daughters uh, were nowhere to be found. See, we were, we are, and we were, uh, very just diligent about a shared calendar. So you, anything that's happening in our lives, we put it on the calendar, and, you know, we, we live in the day and age of cell phones. So I guess, you know, I saw that she wasn't there, so I, I called her, and she didn't answer. And, you know, back in the day before we had cell phones, we'd do what? We'd write a note for whoever's coming home so that they knew where we were, but there was no note, there was no answer, and uh, this, you know, it, it lasted a while, and uh, further on, no, no text message answered, no phone call answered, and my mind started going down some paths, and uh, I initially, like, okay, all right, so where was she? She was picking up Kyrea, our oldest, at preschool um, in a town called Bethel, which is about 15 to 20 minutes down a state road in Ohio um, from where we lived. And so I thought, okay, well, that's probably where she was last at. So I started to drive, and I drove along that state road, um, curious or, or hoping that I wouldn't find our, our van on the side of the road with my my family on the side of the road in some major accident. And luckily I got to Bethel and they weren't there, they weren't on the side of the road, so I drove back to where we lived in Amelia and um, trying to find where she was. I came back home, called her again and, and again and again, and it just she wasn't answering. And I was starting to think like, okay, what happened? Did they get kidnapped? What, what happened? Did they, what, what happened? And so finally, eventually, she gave me a call because she had left her phone in her car and she said, honey, <laughs> I'm, I'm okay. Just so you know, I see that you called me like a million times, you know, minus two, you know, there was that many times. Um, and I'm okay. I'm just at her, her new friend's house, Holly Jefferson's house. Um, so yeah, I could tell other stories of Sarah disappearing and me thinking she's gone and I'm going to be alone. Like she just keeps doing it, but I won't belabor the point. Sometimes there are things in our life that you face or face with and it sends you down a spiral of anxiety and worry. Has anybody ever been there? Um, you know, we got all kinds of things in our life that we deal with that could send us down that road of thoughts and questions and, and wonderments. And then we're just like, frantic. Um, you know, there's, there's things, there's big picture things that we deal with. You know, we look at the news and we see wars and rumors of wars. We see, um, you know, conjecture on what the economy is going to do. We see uh, violence in other communities and we fear that that violence might come to our community. You know, we think about our own personal lives and the, the things that we deal with, you know, cost of living is going up. We, we maybe have stresses at work. We have uh, dynamics relationally that are not going well. You know, family drama, work drama, friend drama. There's just all the drama. And then we get, you know, we, we kick back, relax, and then we watch a drama TV show or a drama movie because we just can't get enough of the drama. And, and we, we kind of have lots of reasons to be worried about in our lives um, but Max Lucado, he's, Max Lucado, he said this, 
Um, I love this quote. He said, the presence of anxiety is unavoidable, but the prison of anxiety is optional. The presence of anxiety is unavoidable. There will be things that you deal with in life that could cause you to worry. There are real things that might send you down, like a fearful things that may be a threat to your life or a threatful situation like you, that you might need to deal with. And there might be some things, serious things, that you are, are going to be worried about. But he's saying that it's, it's going to be unavoidable, but the prison of anxiety is, is optional. You know, how many times have we found ourselves worrying about something that never came about, that never came true? Jesus has some things to say to us today, not just about our worries today, but also our worries about tomorrow. Because some of us, we lay, lay, awake, up, uh, lay awake at night thinking about the future and what we're thinking about is not positive things um, because we're worried. And so Matthew chapter 6, verses 33 to 34, Jesus has this to say. We looked at this verse 33 last week, but we're going to finish out this passage in Matthew and wrap up Matthew chapter 6. This is what Jesus says to his disciples as he's teaching them. Therefore, don't worry about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, what you will wear. Um, and then he says this, therefore, or verse 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be provided for you. All these things that you're worried about, these, what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to wear, all these basic necessities. If you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, God's going to provide you those things that you need. Verse 34, therefore, don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. The last week we, we looked at this passage and we talked about uh, really priorities and seeking first the kingdom of God and how if we get things out of order in our lives, things get wonky. And uh, th- th- today I want to really focus on that word seek. The Greek word for seek is zeteo. Zeteo. Anyone want to join me at the count of three to say zeteo? One, two, three. Zeteo. You can impress all your friends uh, at lunchtime, all your family members who don't care. And by the way, by the time you get to lunch, you're going to be like, it was this word. It was, it's all Greek to me. I don't know. Because <laughs> it's a Greek word. You know what I mean? That's good, right? Oh, man. Okay, we'll file that under. That was kind of a bummer. Okay. Um, Zeteo, this Greek word, has a, it's pregnant with meaning. It's got a lot of different varieties of the way that you could translate this. Word. It, it could mean searching for, learning about, desiring, asking for, trying to obtain, and attempting to find. That, that Greek word, zeteo, it, it, it has all those possible meanings, and our, our English Bibles, many of them say seek. And there's just so much more to seeking than just trying to find. There's all of those things. So what if uh, the kind of meaning that Jesus is getting at in this passage is really the fullness of all those varieties of definitions of this word. I believe it is. So when he says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, he's saying, seek first, search for, learn about, desire, ask for, try to obtain and attempt to find the life of being ruled by King Jesus. So what is the kingdom of God? It is the, it is the reign and rule of King Jesus, that Jesus has come and he has won, he has defeated sin and death, and he is reigning and ruling in heaven, on the throne, and he is calling his people who, how do you, how do you come to Jesus? You surrender to him as king, as savior, as lord, and then you serve him. So what does it mean to seek first the kingdom of God? It's, 
It's searching for, learning about, desiring, asking for, trying to obtain, and attempting to find the life of being ruled by King Jesus. And this is so hard, and it takes that amount of energy and dedication to really seek first the kingdom of God, because that is not how we as Americans like to do things. We don't like to submit ourselves underneath someone else. Right? We are the, the generation, the country where we can do it ourselves. Like we can pull ourselves up by our bootstraps, which who has those anymore? But it's an expression. Uh, and we can do it, right? We can do it. We, we are capable and we are, we are independent. We are a strong, independent man or woman, right? But Jesus comes along and says, seek first the kingdom of God. He doesn't say seek first your kingdom, where you're king or where you're queen. He says seek first the kingdom of God, where Jesus is on the throne room. He is on the throne. Like so oftentimes, how many of us, right? Hey, we've, we've had moments. We're super sneaky about it too. You know, like Jesus gets up, you know, to get a snack. And we're just like, right on the throne. Right? We're like, ha ha ha. I'm sitting here. This is comfy. I like this chair. This is nice. And then five minutes later, a couple days later, a week later, a month, maybe a few years because we're real hard-headed, we get to a point where we realize, I'm not good at this job. And we need to let Jesus get back on the throne where he belongs. You know, maybe if you're worried right now, if you're dealing with worry... Then let me just propose to you this. Your issue might not be an absence of living a happy life, but an absence of living a meaningful life. If you're, if you're racked by worry right now, it could be, and I think this is what Jesus is saying, your issue might not be an absence of living a happy life, but an absence of living a meaningful life. Like it could just be that that in your life right now, if you just did an audit and and the Holy Spirit who was sent to indwell you was with you because he is. And if you surrender to Jesus, the Holy Spirit's with you. And if he um, knew what was on your mind, knew what your desires were, knew what you were searching for, knew what you were trying to obtain and trying to find and what was driving you in life, which by the way, he does. And if he could walk with you through a day or through a week, which by the way, he does. And if he sat you down across the table and said, listen, Brandon, insert your name. And, and he, he just got honest with you and you were ready to receive it. Would he say, hey, like all of us, we'd be worried a little bit about what he might say because all of us would readily admit that we don't always seek first the kingdom of God, right? And, and he would probably point out, point out some things in our lives that we are elevating above him. You seem to be trying to pursue your own kingdom in this. You really seem to be trying to, you're really worried about this. Why are you so worried about this? This is my job. It's not yours. It could be that when we surrender to Christ, we, we have to understand when we surrender to Jesus, 
we are acknowledging that we can't do this life on our own, that he is king. And what he did was come live a perfect life, show us what the kingdom of God is like. And then he went to the cross bearing all of our sin, all of our guilt, and all of our shame on his body, on the cross. And then he died for us. And then he rose again on the third day, defeating sin and death, defeating your guilt, defeating your shame, leaving it in the grave, and then ascending to the throne of the right right hand of the throne of the Father and reigning and ruling there and then he invites you and I to surrender to him and then invites us to serve him and so the question is are you if in your heart of hearts are you actually living a kind of life where you're seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness where your co-workers aren't just your co-workers but they're people to love in the name of Jesus where the person across from you isn't just a person to cross from you, but there's someone made in the image of God whom God loves and you're called to love too. Are, are you living in such a way where you're a light to those who don't know God? Are you living in such a way where you're the salt of the earth like Jesus called us? And really it comes down to our priorities and whether or not we have that kind of energy to search for, learn about, desire, asking, try to obtain and attempting to find the kingdom of God, is that the kind of energy and zeal that we have when it comes to our walk with God? I get it. A lot of us probably not. And see, I just believe that God has more for us and God has a lot more for us to do than probably we're allowing him to do in us and through us. You know, when you are seeking first the kingdom of God, it could be that the thing you're worried about was was put in your life so that you could grow through it. So you would learn to trust him more. It doesn't mean it's a good thing. I mean, life wasn't ever guaranteed to be easy. In fact, Jesus told us the opposite. In this world, in this life, you will have, what's the word? Trouble. But take heart, for I have overcome the world. What does he say? Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 to 34. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be provided for you. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough of enough trouble of its own. Um, what is the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God is the reign and rule of King Jesus. When, whenever the, the, like this is terminology in a world that was filled with kingdoms, um, which we're really not, at least this side of the world. The Roman Empire, when they would get a new emperor, new person in charge, they would send messengers, heralds, witnesses out to the different providences and announce, we have a new emperor. There is a new king, such and such. And Jesus has called you and I to not just be people who surrender to Jesus and, and, and love Jesus and wait for Jesus to come back so we'll go to heaven, But he's called us right here and now to be heralds of the king, to be ones who proclaim that there is a new king. Not not just to the people around us, but how many of us need to proclaim there is a king and he is on the throne? How many of us, we need to proclaim that to ourselves each and every day? I do. I do. When when you're starting to think, okay, this is up to me. It's up to me. I got to fix this. I got to figure it out. I got to do this. Oh, this person's, oh, I got I to gotta work with that. There's a, there's a new king. 
and his name is Jesus. And he's on the throne, and I am not. See, uh, there's, there's this guy, um, he's really helped me learn a lot about the intersection of theology and mental health. His name is Steve Cuss, and um, he is a pastor and also used to be a, uh, a chaplain in like a hospital ER type situation. So he is trained in trauma care. And one of the things that he specializes in is what a lot of chaplains learn, and that is called family systems theory. And he's helped me a ton, and he has this um, th- this kind of teaching on what we as, as as people tend to deal with when we are dealing with what he calls and what systems theory calls chronic anxiety. Chronic anxiety is when our worries stem from false needs and false beliefs, things that we believe we need that we don't actually need, but we believe we need them. So when we don't get them, we get all kind of worried. And, and so he has this uh, teaching. I want to kind of share it with you. It, it really comes down to remembering that God is with me, God is with us, and God is ahead of us. So he, he says that uh, humans, and I, I, we can all see this in our own lives, that humans strive for up to five core false needs. That all of us probably have one, two, maybe three uh, false needs that we believe we need, but we don't actually need. But we believe we need them, and so when we don't get them, then we go down the anxiety spiral. Um, these, are, these are the five. So number one, uh, core false needs that humans believe uh, that we need. Number one is control. Control. Uh, you believe that you need control. Those of you who are type A planners, those of you who like to have everything in life figured out, uh, those of you who like order, this could be your thing. The false need you believe that you need that you don't actually need is control. Let's see if this resonates. A person who believes this would say, I need everyone to be a certain way so I can relax. That's the kind of unspoken language of your heart. I, I need everyone to be a certain way so I can relax. I go to meetings already planned for six scenarios. Uh, someone brings up a scenario I didn't anticipate, and then I get defensive or maybe even combative. Um, not because they said something wrong, but because I'm not in control anymore. Uh, some of us, we, we are planners and, and we think of things ahead of time and, and we don't just think of that thing. We think about all the layers and nuances and connections to that thing because we dwell on it and then we try to figure out a way to make all of those things align in such a way that would be ideal for you, for me. Number one is control. Do you believe that you need control in order to be safe, in order to be whole? Number two, perfection. Perfection. Maybe you resonate with this. I must get it perfectly right the first time, every time, even if I've never done it before. Like, it could be anything, right? Like, but you just grew up with the standard inside of you. It came from somewhere, but maybe you haven't placed it. And that you just believe that if, if you mess up, if you, if you just a little tiny thing, you mess up, you go down a spiral of not just having a hard day or worried about what you messed up, but you start proclaiming to yourself that you are insufficient, that you are less than, that you are not worthy of anyone's attention or love. And if you mess up in your life, then you are you are quite literally messing up your life. 
Do you believe that you need to be perfect? You're a perfectionist and you, you strive to do things right the first time. You know, measure 70 times. Cut once. Amen? Some of you just know that person and you're sitting next to them. Okay. No, no ribs need to be broken, okay? You know, it's you. Uh, number three, knowing the answer. Some of us believe that we need to know the answer. To what? Yeah, anything. Everything. Know the answer. Uh, I want you to know that I know something. It's not, just, it's not just enough to know, but you need to have other people know what you know so that they know that you know it. And when you say it, they need to make sure, like you need to make sure that they believe that you're right. Because uh, you, you have this innate desire to know the answer. And so when you don't know the answer, it's not just a humbling situation, but it, it kind of takes the house of cards that your life has been, been built up upon and it comes crashing down. Do you believe that you need to know the answer and to what? It's to anything, to everything. And if you don't know the answer, it causes you worry and anxiety until you finally find the answer. Now, you're really good at research. It's because you're trying to make yourself whole. You're trying to approve of yourself. Number four, being there for others. This is one that's a little bit, it's, it's sneaky. Because it's good to be there for others. Amen? You know, we call them control freaks, perfectionists know it all like those are all negative but who says you just care about you just care about people too much you you help too much well we kind of do have a negative term and that's called enabling because here's what the person who has to be there for others they struggle to discern between someone's need and uh, and their need to be needed they struggle to discern between someone's needs and their need to be needed when someone, when someone has something go on and, and they need help and, and you are always there to show up and, and what this ends up becoming is uh, the, the helper becomes the overfunctioner, And to where you overfunction, you do more than you should and you enable them into the space where they underfunction, where they don't do what they need to do and then you create this crazy cycle where you are then self-affirmed in your ability to help them because you are working with someone who has become dependent on you for their own life. And there are things that other people need to carry on their own. There are things that you can help with, but you need to recognize if this is you, that, that really you might just be doing this so that you can satisfy in your own, satisfy in your own need to be needed. And it's really not about them. And you know this. But it's really about you. And that's not love. Uh, number five, approval. Approval. This is, this is uh, that basic thing where, you know, the person who has this core false need, I, I want you to like me. That's the best case scenario. I want you to like me, love me. Uh, and, you know, like <laughs> Michael Scott, you know, I want you to fear how much you love me. Like, I want you to be scared of it. I don't know what the exact quote is, but like, I want you to love me so much that you are, you, you, you just, you're just so scared of how much you love me. That's, I butchered that, but uh, I should have checked that first. You can look it up on YouTube. I want you to like me. But at the very least, I really would like you to not be disappointed in me. And, like, it could be that I didn't even do anything wrong, but you think I did? And 
you're upset with me. And I just can't handle that. Are you striving for approval? Are you striving to make sure you, you get it all figured out? And this could be that control and approval. Oh, that's a sneaky one. You try and control everything in your life so that you can be approved by that person in your life who's never seemed to approve of you fully. It's some combination. So which are the ones that you tend to believe that you need that you don't really need? Here's the interesting thing. Um, Chronic anxiety, believing that you need something you don't really need, can stem into anxiety. Chronic anxiety can tempt you to try to be someone you've never meant to be. Because here's the thing. Those five things, that's who God is. That's, those are the core characteristic traits of who God is. God is the one in control. You're not. No matter how much, how many spreadsheets you got, no matter how many plans and backup plans you got, you're not in control. Like, you've got some things you can control. We'll talk about that in a minute. But you're not in control to that level. God is the one in control. He's sovereign. God is perfect. Um, he, he's the one who can do all things without messing up at all. You're not. You are finite. You will mess up. And guess what? Your failures can be some of the greatest learning lessons if you're willing to learn from them. Uh, you don't need to be afraid of it. Knowing the answer, God is the one, the big big theological word, omniscient. He's all-knowing. He knows it all. Um, you don't. And it's okay to admit it because the person who admits that they don't know it all are going to be the people who actually learn something. The people who believe that they know it all, they stopped learning a long time ago. And they've just been able to capture all their little things in this little, little shoe box. And like, I know everything there is to know. Nah, you just stop learning. You just stop learning. God is omniscient. He's all-knowing. God is omnipresent. He's there for everyone. He's present for everyone. And God is the one who is able to give you approval that actually matters. And he doesn't do it based on your striving. He does it based on his grace. So, so God is the one who has all of these things in his own essence and own being. And chronic anxiety, when you believe that you need something you don't actually need, it will tempt you to act like you are God. And guess what? You're not built like that. He's built different. So that's why you've maybe been worried so much. It's because you're trying to hold and carry that which you were never tr- meant to carry. Uh, here, here's the division of labor in the kingdom of God. When, when you're seeking first the kingdom of God, you acknowledge that God is in control. God is perfect. God is all-knowing. God is all-present. God is the one showering us with approval based on his grace, not because of our striving. When you live that kind of way, here's what you need to remember. That the division of labor in the kingdom of God is your job is to be a human-sized faithful person. You are human-sized. You are what, um, what is referred to as finite You are not infinite. You have a finite amount of strength, a finite amount of energy. God is not. He's infinite. So your job is to be human-sized and be faithful. God's job is to be those five things. To be in control, to be perfect, to be all-knowing, to be all-present, and to be the one who can actually give approval that matters, not based on your striving, but based on his grace. So here's the thing. That happens. Anytime you and I are chasing a false need, we tend to forget the Lord in the midst of chasing that false need. What are you seeking? 
Jesus said to seek first the kingdom of heaven, but a lot of times we seek the kingdom of our control, the kingdom of our perfection, the kingdom of our knowledge, the kingdom of our helping, the kingdom of striving for approval and getting the attaboys or girls from other people. What are you seeking for? What are you trying to learn? What are you trying to find? What are you desirous of? A lot of times when we're in the grip of anxiety, we are forgetting the Lord. So the, the easy, well, it's not easy, the simple to say but difficult to do path to get out of this spiral is to remember the Lord. We got to stop and remember. Like stop, collaborate, and listen. God's back with a brand new invention. Something. Okay, all right. <laughs> We have to stop and remember that he's with us. So we ask questions like this. What am I carrying that God has not asked me to carry? What am I carrying that God has not asked me to carry? Because I'm not equipped for it. Have you crossed into God's territory with what you're worrying about? What is yours in relationships? What is yours to carry? What is theirs to carry? What is God's to carry in this dynamic? You can't change people. Believe me, I wish it weren't that way. Because I got a list. You do too. Of people you would love to just like, let me just fix this. Fix you. Anybody recognize what my false need is? Control. Uh Uh-huh. What about you? Remember, God is with you. If you're anxious about the future, think about this. Remember this. God has already worked in the future you're anxious about. A meeting that you're worried about, he's at work there. A difficult conversation, he's at work there. A medical appointment, he's at work there. Uh, An impending transition, he's at work there. A Monday morning at work, he's at work there. He arrived early, he's already beat you to it. He's at work. One of the practical things that Steve Cuss uh, advises to do, and this is really helpful, especially for like when you have a meeting with someone who just, you know, grinds your gears, that kind of thing, um, or has maybe hurt you in the past, but you got suckered into this meeting with them or whatever, um, whatever it is. Um, you, this is just helpful when you put that in your calendar. Because, you know, I'm, I live in the fantasy land that everyone works off of a calendar. Anyway, um, <laughs> uh, when you put that in your calendar, don't just say meet with such and such, right? But write in all caps, God with us, dash, meet with such and such. And that will, when you set that reminder, right? Half hour before, hour before, 15 minutes before, um, you know, if you're a little wild about it, you know, at time of event, you know, then you're late. Um, that'll just be a prompt, a reminder that God is with us in this conversation, in this meeting, in this uh, meeting with the boss or whatever it is, Remind yourself that he's with you. Matthew 6, verse 34. This is what he says. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Have you ever noticed how how much of a happy person Jesus is? He's a very happy person. There were times when he would weep um, and there were times like, you know, as he's anticipating being arrested and crucified, um, he was praying to the Father in the Garden of Gethsemane. He was racked with worry and in fact he was... He was sweating blood, like like a lot of anxiety right there. But he he expressed to God, he externalized the feeling, um, and then he entered into truth ultimately because he was meant to do this, that which he came to do. He was meant to come 
and sacrifice himself. So he entered into that truth. Um, this is what Jesus did. And I think he's a really great example, by the way. Um, pretty big on Jesus. Um, Mark chapter 1, verse 35. This is what it says. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he got up, went out, and made his way to a deserted place. And there he was praying. You know, sometimes we need to remind ourselves that Jesus every day made time to be with the Father and, and He is God and we are not. So how much more do we need to go to the Father for support and strength and encouragement and presence? We need to go to Him and prioritize that. So, so we have today's focus and tomorrow's trust. Today's focus is, is really like when we're worried, it comes down to a couple of things. Uh, this graphic was given to me by Leanne Nash, um, and she uh, has found this to be helpful. This is something I've done too. Um, this is called the spheres of control. When we're worried, it typically comes down to one of two things. Either we've forgotten and are ignoring the things we're actually in control of and aren't doing anything with them, or we've become so concerned and we have become dwelling upon the things that we don't control. Either worry comes from, or maybe the combination of both, because a lot of times that's what happens. We're not doing that which we're responsible for in our own lives, and we're just worried and focused on other things like other people. So what do we control? Well, we control our decisions, our responses to things. We control our habits. We control our time. We control the things that we actually get a say in. We can ask for help. We can uh, decide to adopt an attitude that is looking at the good things that God has uh, bestowed upon us and, and focusing on that. What do we not control? You don't get to control what other people do and what other people say and what other people think. You don't get to control what happens uh, in, in your company if you're not uh, in one of the leadership spots. Like you can do what you can do, but ultimately it's kind of out of your hands. You don't get to control what happens in the government unless you're in the government. And then even then you've got limited uh, capabilities to influence and control anything, right? You don't get to control what happens across the world. You don't get to control that. But here's the thing. Have you ever noticed? The things that we watch TV about, like the news and talk radio, have you ever noticed the things that they tend to focus on? It's the things that are outside of your realm of control. And you know what the things that oftentimes a lot of us don't think about and don't put attention to and don't put effort toward? The things that we can control. We're, we're sitting here worried about everybody else, and yet right here our soul is starving because we've not actually nourished it. You know, just so you know, like Sunday morning shouldn't be the only spiritual meal you get from the Word of God. If you're depending on this experience right now to sustain you through a whole week, understand you're expecting way too much. God created this pattern in, in, in the Exodus where he taught the people of God, the Israelites, to go to him each and every day for their sustenance, for their substance. For their nourishment. And that's not just true from a, from a physical sense. It's true from a spiritual sense. Shout out to my wife who pointed this out. This is something where we have to go to him every day. Because why? Because blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. This is a hungering and thirsting. And by the way, every time I check, unless you're fasting, we're eating and, th and drinking every day. Are we eating and drinking from the river of life? The bread of life. Or are we just expecting it to happen one day a week? Here's the thing, y'all. Today's focus, tomorrow's trust. 
Here's what I want you to remember. Do what you can do today alongside of God and trust Him with tomorrow. After all, He's already there. Do what you can do today. Notice the wording there. Do what you can do today alongside of God. He, you are not alone. God with me. God with us. He's there to help you and trust Him with tomorrow. After all, He's already there. In the realm of control, you can't impact what happens tomorrow morning until you get there. And even then, you can only have a limited amount of influence and control over that which you interact with. So are you trusting him? Remember, the three questions, the three E's that I gave you really quickly. What am I worried about? Go to God. Share that with him. Journal it. This takes work, y'all. This takes work. If you're spiraling down the anxiety spiral, like it, it takes work to get out of it. You didn't, you didn't just like start believing that you have that false need overnight. That was a long lifetime journey of getting there. You're going to have to do the work. So what am I worried about? Externalize the feeling. Where is this coming from? We evaluate it and we analyze it and we look for connected experiences that may be the thing beneath the thing in our lives. And then what do I know to be true? We go back to truth and we enter into truth. And here's the thing, okay? Okay, enter into truth on seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Here's just a couple more auditing questions. They're not going to be on the screen, but you can just think about this. Have I surrendered to Jesus? Have I surrendered to Jesus? And I, I know some of you say, oh, yeah, I surrendered to Jesus like 30 years ago. Okay. <laughs> Have you surrendered to him today? Like, because you need him today, right? Because every time, like, we're so sneaky, try and sit in the, the throne, and we need to remember, okay, we surrender to him, not him surrendering to us. That's not how this works. We serve him. He doesn't serve us. Um, so have I surrendered to Jesus, maybe for the first time or for the millionth time? Um, am I an active member of the body of Christ he has joined me to? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. The kingdom of God is his church. Kingdom people, that is who you and I are. Are you an active member of the body of Christ he has joined you to? And if not, why not? Are you serving the body of believers with your skill set, your gifts, and willing to just be a part of what he's doing here? If not, and you, you haven't found it, and you just like, you, you got to find your place. Number three, am I being a light to those around me? Am I being a light to those around me? Am I actually being a representative of Jesus? Or do I need to notify my face? You know? Well, Man, them Christians are really happy. Jesus, man, he's the source of my joy. You know, that doesn't work. That doesn't communicate very well. Um, remember, the division of labor in the kingdom of God. You be human-sized and you be faithful. God's job is the big five. Control, perfection, all-knowing, all-present, and he's given approval not based on your striving, but based on his grace. Do what you can do today alongside of God and trust him with tomorrow. After all, he's already there. So if you received God's grace, if you've received God's grace, then live into that. Remember, he's with you, y'all. He's with you. This is a, and I'm not just preaching to you, I'm preaching to myself. You know, insider baseball, every sermon I preach, I'm preaching myself. 
have you remembered, have you, have you just reminded yourself that He has given you His grace and His perfection and His presence? And then have you been following Him in that? Have you entered into truth in your life? Or are you still believing that you need control, or that you need perfection, or you need to know all, all things, or you need to help every single person, or that you need to try and gain everybody's approval? Or have you actually entered into truth and stopped striving for those things and trusted God with it? That's what he wants for you. He says, Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you, what's the word, church? I will give you rest. Do you want some rest? Amen. Let's pray. King Jesus, thank you for being on the throne and being in charge and being the one who goes ahead of us and goes before us and knows the way and goes the way and shows the way. You are so good. But, but God, um, I speak for myself and I speak for, I'm sure, many others who would agree that there's uh, a lot of times that I find myself trying to strive to gain that which you've already given me. Um, God, we need you. This, this life, you, you know it. You told us you didn't beat around the bush. You told us that this world, this life will be filled with trouble. But God, we really need help with the second part of that verse to take heart that you've overcome it. So help us this week. Help us to remember you in the midst of all the things that we go through. We need your assurance. We need your presence. And thank you for giving both of those to us. Help us to see it. Help us to notice it. We love you, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast by First Church of Christ in Bluffton, Indiana. For more information, visit FCCFamily.com.